Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. What's up, listeners? Welcome back to the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today the girls and I are sitting down with a very exciting guest, the NC Fit newest influencer, Natalie Allport. Now, you might recognize Natalie from the competition floor in CrossFit as she's competed in a handful of sanctional events. But what you might not know is that she was also a nationally ranked snowboarder and narrowly missed going to the Olympics. We talk all about this experience and how it really reframed failure for her. We also talk about mindset and mental health on today's episode. So you know that my little therapist heart loved everything that we dove into today. Also, if you haven't already, go ahead and check out the NC Fit app. You're going to have multiple choices of daily workouts, whether you've got a full gym at your disposal, or maybe you only have a set of dumbbells. Maybe all you have is your body weight in a garage gym. That's fine. We've got you covered. And you get a seven-day free trial just for downloading the app. So why not? I mean, come on. Free things, free fitness, epic programs. You've got nothing to lose. Also, if you love the show as much as we do, please head over and give the show a five-star rating and review as it continues to help us get guests like Natalie on the show and the conversations just really fill my heart and so do all of your reviews. So please, please, please head on over to the Apple podcast app and leave the show a five-star rating and review. Until next week, enjoy the show. Alrighty, gang, welcome back to another Women Make Waves podcast. We are here with Natalie Allport. Natalie, among all of the amazing things that you do, you are also the newest NC Fit influencer, so that's very exciting. Um, we love, first of all, we love having strong women on the podcast, but we also love getting to grow our circle, so thank you for being here. We're super excited to talk to you, and We'd love to kick it off today by asking you what we ask all of our guests. How are you making waves? Yeah, kicking it off with the hard question because I think it's hard, especially for women more than men to like kind of toot their own horn and just be, you know, just say what, they, what they're doing and be confident about it. But um, for me, I mean, I'm trying to make waves just by sharing my journey of growth, whether that's through sport, um, through mindset, through my mental health journey, um, trying to share that as transparent as I can uh, to my on my platform and hopefully trying to inspire and help the next generation who I know are watching, whether it's in women's sport, whether it's with mental health, whether it's in their athletic journeys. Um, if, if that reaches to one person that it can help, then I'm really happy. And so hopefully that's how I'm making waves. I've always appreciated how much you use your own platform. Like when we look at social media, it's people's highlight reels, right? We've heard that all the time, but you use your platform in such a way that you're so willing to share and be like, Hey, this is the struggle that I'm going through. Yes. Here's some triumphs and really cool things that have happened and gone on. Um, but here's like the nitty gritty of what I'm really, you know, going through and, and potentially struggling with. So can you give a little bit more on your background? We know that you are a CrossFit athlete now. Functional fitness is a big part of your life. But what got you into that space and where, where do you continue to go with it? Yeah. So actually, when I discovered CrossFit, I always, I remember telling my parents, I was like, imagine if I had this when I was a kid, because as a kid, I had so much energy. I was bouncing off the walls. I actually, just before this was looking at a, a TikTok video I posted, which was um, like a challenge I made, which is like, ask your parents why they put you in sports. So I put the camera on my dad and he was like, uh, cause you were driving us nuts. Like <laughs> that's what we had to. Um, but yeah, I, I was involved in sports from a very young age. Um, I think I was two when I first got onto skis and then of course being up here in Canada, hockey is a big part of kind of life. So played basically every single sport that I possibly could throughout my elementary and high school days. Gym class was my favorite class, fitness testing I love, beef test I love, which made me no friends. Um, but yeah, then I got into snowboarding and I had to make a decision because I fell in love with snowboarding and I wasn't naturally good at it. Um, and so I kind of told my parents, this is what I wanted to do and ended up, you know, quitting competitive hockey to go all in on snowboarding. I think they were just happy that I finally found one sport to, to focus on, although they wish it was hockey. Um, and yeah, so I, I did that when I was 17, I made the junior national team and spent four years basically being a full-time snowboarder, traveling the world, competing in world cups and doing that whole thing. 
2014, I just missed out on the Olympics and uh, I was going through some different things with mental health that I wasn't really sure of at the time, which is stuff that I try to speak up about on my platform now, um, now that I'm kind of healing and able to discuss it. Um, and then in 2015, ended up stepping away from the sport, but I actually discovered CrossFit in that transition. So there was a coach around here who he kind of took me under his wing, I guess, to get some certification. He needed a coach, a national athlete. So he said, Hey, I want to write up some strength programming for you. And I was always big in training off, off the uh, hill. It's not very cool in snowboarding and skateboarding to train. It's like anti-culture, but it's, it's becoming more popular. Um, but it was really important for me because I just, I came from a place where I didn't have as many resources. I wasn't close to all the big mountains, like my competitors and my teammates. So I always thought, what's like, how can I get ahead? And it's to prevent injury, get stronger and do all those off season stuff. Cause I always had access to a gym or to training, even just doing sit-ups or push-ups, and, you know, beside my bed or something. Um, and so, yeah, so I started doing that and I started going to some Oli classes because of that coach who was helping me with my strength. And then uh, I did a season, came back, I guess it was 2015. Um, and they just started convincing me, like when I would come in to work on my Oli lifts, they would start making me do other workouts um, and workouts that I had no idea the movements. Like they're like, oh, do a toe to bar and a chest to bar and a muscle up. I'm like, what? <laughs> and they would just make me do this with them. I'm like, okay. And then they're like, oh, you could be really good. And we had uh, one of the owners of the gym was a CrossFit Games athlete. And so he's like, oh, you could really go far in this sport. So it was kind of cool to start competing even in the off season and not be like, I used to just put my headphones on and go to the YMCA and do my snowboard training. So it's a good change of pace and community. And, uh, and then of course, when I stopped snowboarding, I just dove you know, head first into the CrossFit world because one, I was going through a lot mentally. And so it gave me that same kind of adjustment where I could spend eight hours a day at the gym instead of eight hours a day on the mountain. But it was also just the community that I really enjoyed. What was that transition like for you for coming from that snowboarding background and then kind of diving into something else? I would imagine that there would be at least, you know, for me, like a loss of identity and struggling with that for something you've done it has been so much a part of you for your whole life. How, how was that? And how did you reconcile that? Yeah, it was really, really difficult. I think that was the biggest part because growing up, I told everyone in my class, like, I'm going to be a pro snowboarder someday. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make the Olympics. And so then for me being like, I created my whole identity was completely wrapped around that one goal, um, around being a snowboarder. And so I was like, well, like, did I prove them wrong? Did I do this? Which is just not really the way to look at it. But as an athlete, often that's what fuels you. You're like, oh, I want to prove like the haters in my school wrong or whatever they were saying. I want to, I want to make this happen. And so that was really difficult as well as when I had joined the gym, it was at the time that I was still competing and I was still new. So I felt like even the people that I made friends with at the gym, would they still be friends with me knowing that I wasn't doing this cool thing anymore of traveling the world and snowboarding? Cause I felt like I had a lot of their support of the gym when I was away and traveling, but that almost made it harder because I was like, well, now I'm going to spend all my time around them. And they're going to be asking me, why did you quit? Why do you do this? You're still so young. And um, so that was a, that was a big, uh, big part. But then eventually, you know, there's so many people from all different walks of life in a CrossFit gym. And so as new people come in and people, you know, I tell them my reasoning once, you just kind of all merge together and it becomes easier. When you talk about having to have like that, that tape going on in your head, what if they ask me why I quit? And what am I going to say? How did you engage in those conversations? What was the conversation and how did you kind of position yourself in a way to have them? Yeah. So the first time it happened, I think it was literally like the day, like that morning I had sent the national team coaches, like kind of my resignation saying, Hey, don't, you know, think of me of selection for the next season. Um, I think I worded it like I'm going to take a pause. Um, I just wanted to leave that door open if something did change. Um, but of course it, it didn't. And um, yeah, I went to the gym. I think I was like pretty upset, but I always try to put on a positive face at the gym, especially if I'm training. I think a lot of people there had no idea the things I was going through over that year, even because every day I'd be there with a smile on my face and lifting weights and just hanging out with everybody. But when I was leaving the gym, uh, one lady kind of asked me, She's like, oh, you kind of seemed off today. And then I was telling her that, you know, I was like, well, I kind of like decided I'm not going to compete in snowboarding anymore. And, um, and then she's like, oh, why? Like what? Like you're, you're 21. Like, I don't understand. Um, and that was a really tough conversation. I think I started crying and, um, I just was like, oh, just a lot of reasons. I just don't want to get into it. And so I kind of put a barrier up about it. And so I just kind of told people, uh, it was injuries 
um, which part of it was for sure. Like I couldn't really afford to get another concussion in my life. And um, I had broken my ribs that season. There was a ton of injuries that I did get. So people, they had seen those injuries happen even that season. So they understood that perspective. Um, but the whole mental health side, because I was really going through it when I stepped away, it got much worse. Um, that, that side took me a long time to kind of open up and talk about. It's such a shame that, you know, especially in athletics, if you told people, I can't do this because I broke this bone or, you know, this happened physically, but it's so difficult to say, I can't do this because I'm going through a really hard patch in my life right now. And my mind just isn't where it needs to be. Right. How have you, how have you, you know, further explain that to people and kind of, I know through your social media, that's something that you chat about a lot, um, motivation versus discipline and just kind of kind of walking through but how's that experience been for yourself and communicating to others yeah i mean i think the more that i've learned about it even and then just seeing other people go through it that's helped me learn like what's the right way to even with vocabulary to speak about it to other people to make sure that people understand that mental health is health period um and not putting it down and trying to say okay well my broken rib was worse than my anxiety attack or something like that. Um, so it is still really hard for people to understand, especially I know there was a conversation with Naomi Osaka recently that was pretty viral. And I remember I was, especially with what I see and like the community I'm a part of, when I'm scrolling through my feed, I'm seeing other people totally agreeing with me. Um, so one day I like a Facebook post came up and it was, a, it was about Naomi Osaka. And I was like, let me read the comments. And it was like some tennis page and they were all so horrible. And I was like, wow, we still have a long way to go to understand that, you know, mental health is, is the same as physical health is equally as important. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really difficult to, to get to a place where I could speak more about it. I know for sure, even the community I was in at the gym I was at at that time, I felt like I'd be attention seeking if, if I was speaking up. And that was a big part of even what I went through in my last season of snowboarding. I felt like I was living the dream, the dream I had since I was 13, traveling the world, snowboarding, doing all these things. People from the gym, they would message me and say, oh, I'm so jealous you're doing this. So I said, how could I tell them that I'm feeling depressed? Like, they're, they're going to say, like, what do you have to be depressed about? Like, we're back here and working nine to five jobs and doing this. Um, and so that was a big stigma I had to overcome even in myself because I put a lot of guilt on myself. And so that's why I think it's important now that now that I've learned that to try to share that learning on my platform, because I know it would have made a big difference if I had seen someone else speaking about it and mental health in the same way, especially from the sport field while I was going through it. Maybe it would have changed things for me and I would have, you know, seeked help even earlier. I, they say all the time, right? The one of the worst things that you can do especially when someone's struggling with something like depression is like, Oh, well, like just work out, you know, get those endorphins or just do things that make you happy. And you're like, if it was just that easy, I would do that. So what was the turning point where you were able to start having these conversations? Yeah. So really right away, I kind of knew I needed to seek help. Like there's a big transition in my life. Oh, my, I was starting, like I would come back from the gym and just have really bad anxiety and panic attacks like daily. Um, and so I pretty quickly like sought out going to my doctor, getting a diagnosis, then going to psychology and going to therapy. Um, so I did that throughout the summer and things were starting to improve. I was doing a lot of different things. Like I would have check-ins with my aunt and every day we would challenge each other to do one thing new every week. Um, and so one day, maybe go to the beach one day, get a film camera and like wander the city by yourself. Um, so just trying to do different things just for fun. Cause like you said, like I, like exercise for me, wasn't just exercise either. I kind of made it into my next stage of what I wanted to do with competing and life and career. So that was uh, really difficult too, because I was spending all my day training. It wasn't just like for fun. It was like, no, I want to help our team go to regionals. I want to be a regional athlete myself, whatever it was. Um, but then what kind of helped was I decided to spend literally every dollar I had left for my snowboard season and go to Bali. So, uh, my snowboard season ended in the spring. I spent the summer kind of going to therapy. And then I talked with my therapist. I said, it's like, I just want to get like separation. Um, I had never traveled on my own for anything other than sport. And when you're, you're with a team, especially as a young kid, you're trying to impress the coaches. You're trying to, you know, put on a good face for all the, the different people you have that are decision makers around your career that are around you. 
So uh, just going by myself all of a sudden on this trip, I think it was four weeks I spent over there. Um, I don't even think I booked a return flight, but I ended up coming back home for Canadian Thanksgiving, which is anyone listening, it's earlier than American Thanksgiving. And, uh, and yeah, so I spent that time just with no one knew who I was when I got there. Like no one knows that, uh, I was a national team snowboarder. Nobody knows what I'm passionate about, what I'm not passionate about. And I just felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. And every day I was able to choose what I wanted to do, whether it was go to a meditation class or go meet some friends at the CrossFit gym or go surfing. So that was really helpful for me and kind of allowed me that month to create a whole new kind of habits, uh, a new system, a new way of dealing. And of course, when I came back, it's not like, boom, everything's fixed. You go right back into the same environment. It was a lot of work to keep that up, but that was the big turning point for me. How did you start to integrate that? Like when you talk about, you know, you go leave and you have this peak experience, you have these really awesome healing moments. And then you come back to the same place, the same situations, the same triggers, the same people, the same community, everything. How did you start to integrate what you had learned on your trip into your day-to-day at home? Yeah, it was definitely really difficult. Um, I just tried to like create that space for myself every day, whether it's like, okay, let me just, I know I need to take more time to myself. And of course, being at the gym, you're not really just by yourself all day. So um, I was like, okay, I need to have that, that separation. So maybe every day I'm going to do some meditation, maybe even at the gym, as much as I'm going to train with everybody else and do all these things, spending so much time there, I'm sure there's like a little bit of time that I can just put on my headphones and like, just work through some thoughts while I'm doing some squats or something else. Um, so that was a big part as well as just trying to figure out how I could integrate like adventure and fun back into my life. That was a big thing. Like my aunt would always, uh, kind of like warn me preemptively. She's like, not everything you do in your life doesn't have to be based around like, this is like a goal. It's going to be either for your business or for, um, your snowboard career. Like you need to just do things for fun. And I was like, no, I don't have time. Like I want to make the Olympics. Like I don't have every a spare minute to do something just for fun. Um, so that was a big shift from that trip was like, okay, let me just go longboarding with my friends one day. Let me, you know, continue just going snowboarding for fun or doing something different. So I started doing some of those things that really, uh, really helped. I was just laughing because, um, I have been in the process of building a business for the past year and a half. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed is, you know, the first thing that goes for so many people, especially when we get busier, when we have a goal is the little things that actually allow us to enjoy other parts of our lives. If we get so, especially as high achievers that we are, um, we get so wrapped up in wanting to just go after the goal so much so that you lose all of those other things. You lose the adventure and the fun because you're like so laser focused on this one thing. And I'm curious to know for you how you started the process of bringing those things back in. Was it, okay, I'm going to schedule them in. Was like, how did you start to incorporate those things again? I know you had mentioned that you and your aunt had that little challenge going, but I'm curious to know if there was anything else that you did that would be, um, you know, helpful for people. Yeah, definitely. That challenge was helpful, especially like that summer. I think it was like every Monday I had a friend from the gym who usually had the day off work. So we would try to figure out something we could do together. Um, so that was, that was really good. Um, and then having accountability with somebody else, right. That you're checking in with, that was important as well. But yeah, to be fully transparent, like I fell off that, like I never, like sometimes I I would keep it up and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm doing these things for fun. And then other times I'd fall back into that mindset. I actually experienced in 2019, I was in between strength and depth, competing at strength and depth in the UK. I came back, I had like two months to get ready for Asia CrossFit championships, which would have been like one, it was one of my biggest competitions. It was like an individual sanctional. I was like all pumped about it. I fought basically no training in between those two months because I experienced such bad burnout. I had, I got diagnosed with, uh, I had like low blood pressure. I was like getting fainting spells. I went through this like serotonin syndrome thing with this medication that they gave me that mixed with this other medication. Like it was, I had like some crazy times leading up into that event, but it all stemmed from the same thing. I forgot that lesson. And it was similar where I took on too many clients in my work while I was trying to manage training as a full-time CrossFit athlete. Um, and I just thought all this is possible. I can do it all. And that just wasn't the case. Um, and so that was a big wake up call for me. And then especially after that competition, my boyfriend and I actually went back to Bali 
and I had a motorbike accident. And so that has actually helped me in a sense where as much as that injury has really held me back from getting back onto a competition floor, this past two years with that and then the pandemic kind of canceling all competitions, it just allowed me to figure out like, oh, like I wake up today and I just want to like make a video. I don't have to, you know, just spend my whole time like, oh, I need to like work on this project and do this and go, go, go. And so now I've tried to like really listen to what I'm feeling in that day. Am I feeling creative? Am I feeling more like linear task focus? Um, and then just knowing those things that do just, just make me happy and taking advantage of them. Like any time over this past two years where I get a call from my brother and he says, let's go skiing or snowboarding, which is rare because my brother and I have like traditional brother sister relationship. Like we love each other, but we'll like kind of talk shit to each other a little bit. Um, so for him to invite me to go somewhere, I'm like, Oh, wow. So I'm like, I'm not going to pass that up. I'll go. Or if, um, you know, the other day I had like, I had a little bit more training I wanted to do. And then he called me, he's like, I can get off work right now. Like I want to go golfing at the golf course 10 minutes from you. Okay. Like, let me just drop everything and make that happen. So now I'm just like, I'm just trying to say yes more to things that are just for fun. Um, and keep my schedule a little bit more open to those unexpected things. I love that. I love the idea of keeping your schedule open. I think that's something that we get kind of wrapped up in is like the, I have to fill my entire schedule because being busy equals being worth more, right? Like you're, you're more worthy if you are doing more, you're doing, you're more likely to be doing enough if you're doing more, which clearly is not the case because like how many times did you have to fall off the horse before the horse kicked you, you know? Um, but I love that you said that. Are you, hmm. so I have two questions and I'm trying to figure out what I want to know more. Are you more likely now to work on a new project? Like, are you looking for that again? Or are you, are you more so right now, super stoked with just going with the flow and just being present in the moment? Cause I'm kind of curious to know you know, how you're navigating the slowdown. Yeah. I, you know what I think is funny because a lot of the podcasts that I go on, they say like, what's next? Or like, what new thing are you working on? And I'm always like, just more of the same. Like what I've been working on the past two years has like, just doing things for the sake of doing, like I really enjoy creating. Um, I got on TikTok last year and that was like really big and started kind of getting the creative juices back going. I'm enjoying doing that. I'm enjoying how my training is progressing. I'm enjoying um, how my work is progressing and how it's kind of like, I never could have predicted the pandemic and all of a sudden I'm doing speaking engagements and doing all these different things that I definitely could not have predicted, but it all kind of came from just waking up and being like, what do I want to do? And putting that out there into the world. So now whenever I get asked, I'm like, just more of the same. Like, and I never know where that could take me. That could take me on some crazy project two years from now that I couldn't have expected, but like, that'll be awesome rather than um, like, I mean, I have goals in my training. I have goals uh, for where I want to go, but I'm like pretty loose around where that path actually leads. Cause I'm sure it'll be up and down and all over. <laughs> Well, especially when we tie our worth or our success to some expectation, because how often do you have this like big expectation and then it doesn't happen and whatever the result was, was still fucking epic. But just because it doesn't look exactly like we thought it was going to in our heads, we're like, oh, I failed or I missed the mark or I need to try better next time. So I love the idea that you've adopted this kind of like, no, everything's going to unfold exactly as it's supposed to. What kind of set you up for that? I mean, I know that you've been honoring the surrender, honoring the slowdown. Um, but how is that actual like practical applic applicated applied? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel one of those words, one of those words fits. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, so well, one of the biggest, I think, lessons that I got in, in that of kind of like the, the rule of, for me, it's like micro focus, macro change. So like, if I just focus on those like daily habits and those things that I want to do daily in like the macro sense, like things work out or things happen. And so the biggest lesson I learned about that was, was I think the 2018 CrossFit season. Um, our team was one spot off regionals, unfortunately. And because um, of my always bad <laughs> shoulder positions, uh, I was kept off of regionals because of the handstand walk and handstand push-up workout. 
Um, but otherwise I remember it being so positive, even after that workout, I think I was just positive, super positive about it. Um, because I knew I had put in like that daily work. And so to see the improvement I made from 2017 to 2018, just from like, I remember I had a chart on my, um, on my lap, I, well, I printed it off my laptop and I'd have it on like a weekly chart and I would on paper, um, check mark all these things. And the task wasn't like, you know, hit a PR lift or whatever it was. It was like, I had a row about nutrition and a row about training, a row about recovery, a row about relationships. So like making sure I'm talking to a family member every day, different things, a row about business, um, a row about like fun stuff too. And then every day it was like as many boxes I could check off was really important to me. So like, was I fully present in my training? Um, did I get my eight hours of sleep? Cause I knew that would make a difference. So like, I would just focus on those little things like every single day. And at the end of the year, it paid off like massively. And so I kind of took that same mentality at the start of 2020, um, even before the pandemic, where I thought, okay, I'm going to start like putting myself out there more, especially like with creating and different things that I've kind of been putting on the back burner. And I'm just going to see where it takes me. So it was like, okay, every day I'm going to, you know, make a video or every day. Um, and every day I'm going to train and every day I'm going to do these things. And, um, if fun stuff comes up, I'm going to take advantage of that too. And, uh, as I started checking those things off, all of a sudden opportunities started happening that I could never have expected. Like I just did a, a TEDx talk and as much as like, I could have put that as like a goal, it was, I had completely forgotten that I was even into like TEDx talks. I used to listen to them all the time, uh, growing up and going to the ski hill. But, uh, yeah, I never had that as a goal. I never had like, Oh, I want to be a speaker. And then all of a sudden all these speaking opportunities happen. All these things just kind of came as a result of like focusing on those daily habits that I wanted to do, but also that I knew would pay off in some, some sense. So just trying to focus on more of that. Okay, you can't just say TEDx because I got very excited. That's like <laughs> low-key one of my goals in life. What'd you talk about? Yeah, so my talk was called Failure, What Not Making the Olympics Taught Me. Um, and so it was all about like how at the time I thought that was like my biggest failure because that was my life goal. I was three years old when I told my parents I wanted to go to the Olympics. Of course, I had no idea what sport at that time. Um, and so all of a sudden, like 2014 happened, I missed out. I still, I was pretty young. So 2018, the quad for 2018 was very likely like my coaches were like, okay, 2018 is going to be your, your games and whatever. Um, but then with everything that I was dealing with mentally and physically, I ended up, of course, like we talked about before, uh, stepping away from the sport in 2015. So that kind of just left my Olympic dream or goal basically behind. Um, and so I kind of was talking, I talked a little bit about the identity piece, but also I really spoke about like the process mindset versus results. Um, and growing up, I was always kind of raised in that growth mindset, but along the way when snowboarding started really becoming like my job and all these things kind of fell in place and all my worth and identity got tied to how I performed on the mountain, I started focusing on a result mindset where, you know, every day, instead of like the list I told you, where it was like, be present, uh, in the moment in my training, you know, get eight hours of sleep. My list would be like the tricks I have to land that day, which you can't control. Like there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. And you can't, I would put on lists like tricks I've never landed and say, I have to land this today because by the next competition, I want to have this rundown if I want to win it and then be able to make this one and whatever. But that's just not how it works. Some people it takes five years to learn a trick and some people learn a first try. That's just kind of the way that sport goes. And so I would beat myself up every day when I wouldn't get those things. And I think that was part of what really contributed to some of the things that were going on with my mental health. Some of the things that like led to me to kind of leaving the sport and kind of falling out of love uh, with the sport in that moment. Cause it was a sport that I like completely love the lifestyle of. I would do it for no money. I would do it for, for nothing. And somehow that got lost with that mindset. And so then it talks kind of about how then re, I kind of rediscovered it. Um, and then how that's kind of led to success and what I do now and how I don't believe failure, uh, is really a failure in a sense. It just feedback and it's always a way to grow. Like I hate when people say like I peaked in this moment or at that time I would have thought I peaked, um, when I was snowboarding and now what am I going to do? But now it's like, I don't want to peak until my deathbed. Like that's all just growing experiences. Of course I'm not doing that anymore, but like, how can I use that as a building block for the next things I'm going to do? I'm really curious how you, um, conquered and reconciled that, you know, it sounds like a very negative perception about and and not a super healthy way to to train and for snowboarding turning something that you you love and you were so passionate about into something that could be very difficult but how did you come back after that because i would imagine kind of re-entering that space and doing it because you you love it would be just 
so difficult because of that past experience? Yeah, well, it was really hard. Like actually the first season after I like had stopped snowboarding, I only went once. So I went from like 100 days a season to like once. But partially actually what kind of played into part is I got mono and I got this like pericarditis heart problem. So I had six months, I was not allowed to get my heart rate up, nothing. So like that threw off my plans with all of a sudden making my transition from snowboarding to CrossFit because then I had to take half a year off CrossFit even. Um, it threw everything off um, and that kind of gave me some time to you know remember what's important like family time um, and all these these different things. So um, yeah that that uh, it was it was kind of like rebuilding through those setbacks and then kind of going back into CrossFit and rebuilding, like knowing I didn't want to do the same thing with this new sport. I don't want, I was like, I don't want to burn out on it when I know it's going to take a long time to achieve the goals that I have with it. So how can I kind of reconcile this? And then I started getting into reading about the growth mindset and doing different things. I mean, I took a few different psychology courses while I was in um, business school and doing different things to learn how my, my mind works and figure out how the mindset I had was not the right one. Um, and how I could build like a better mindset towards everything else I did. And then also just as I started getting back onto my snowboard and just going with my brother and different things like that, I started being like, this is why I loved it. It's just so fun to do with friends and to go. And I don't have any pressure. If someone's like, Hey, do this trick. I don't have to, I don't have to like put my body on the line to do that. And so I've really started just slowly falling back in love. And actually the snowboard I have back here, I still haven't got to use it yet because uh, the pandemic happened and I wasn't able to travel anywhere with big mountains. But it's something that I hope is going to kind of lead me back into that love too. Because when I was traveling snowboarding, we only got to go where all the good train parks were. So all like the big jumps and the rails, but not necessarily like where the best backcountry riding is. And I always wanted to do backcountry. So this is like a split board so that you can kind of cross country ski up the hill and then put it back together. Um, and go snowboarding down. And so I'm really excited to maybe explore some things in that avenue. And just for fun, like my brother does ski touring, my cousin works out in Revelstoke doing ski touring. So I'm really excited if I can just get back on the mountain and just like fall in love with the mountains again and um, just going for fun with not no competition, no, no pressure. I feel like you're talking directly to my soul. Um, <laughs> I won't bore listeners because they've all heard about um, one of the injuries that I had a while back and it took me away from CrossFit and away from competing. And I was in the same place that you were completely burnt out. Cause had you asked me, Hey Lindsay, like, why do you do CrossFit every day? My answer and what felt like my truth was like, Oh, I just like want to stay fit. And like, I want to eat pizza when I want. And I like enjoy hanging out with my friends that I'll do it. But the reality is like, I was competing every day. I was lifting for hours and at the gym for all these hours and hours. And if the goal for me was truly to be good at all the things outside of the gym, I wasn't doing any of them. And it mm -hmm. wasn't until I was injured and like literally put on my ass to be like, why, like, why were you training in that capacity? Why were you doing these things? Why were you tracking your macros and eating nothing but fucking egg whites? To this day, I <laughs> vow not to eat an egg white ever again because I hate them so much now. But it's like, why were you doing all of that if your goal was truly just to like paddleboard with your friends if you wanted to, or like go hit the mountain and not have your legs turn into jello? So I know you've mentioned a handful of injuries. Um, and actually today, even you posted something about what you've learned through injuries. Can you share some of that with the listeners? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like really like right before this, I was posting about my shoulder because yeah, uh, this week I got some not so great news about my shoulder recovery, but it's just another setback to go through because I've been two years since that motorbike crash where I hurt my shoulder. Things were starting to feel really, really good. And uh, until they, they weren't. <laughs> um, and so now I was able to finally like get some actual tests done and everything. Um, but still don't know what the game plan is. I'm still waiting to see uh, sport med about that. But um, yeah, like there's been so many injuries I've had and you always have to go learn through them. And I think with snowboarding, they were actually the hardest because these past two years I've learned so much and I can still train. And like, that's the thing about like with CrossFit, like with snowboarding, if my leg is broken. I can't go snowboarding, but like with CrossFit and functional movement and, and workouts, like there's still a way to get like your sweat on and do the things that you want to do and move and still stay fit. Like for example, endurance is a weak point for me. So I've been able to do a ton of biking over this past couple of years. Um, despite the fact that I can't do work on my handstand walks or I can't work on my snatching, which is 
that's fine. There's other, other things that you can do. So there's always a way that you can modify, but in snowboarding, they were almost so much worse because the season is so short. So if you got injured, you're like, you're like, Oh my God, I'm missing a whole year. And not only that, but when you're young, I think those injuries, they feel like they take more time, like two years for me now versus when I was half the age I am now, like that's equivalent to like what a year felt like. So those time, the time goes, takes up much more of a percentage of your life back then. So it was really, really difficult to learn. So then that has really helped me in dealing with the longer injuries that I've had now, because I've also been able to see the long-term repercussions of those short ones. So I know now like, okay, all those snowboard injuries where I broke my tailbone, then I competed two weeks later, or I broke my ribs, and then I tried to do the CrossFit Open a week later. Like, just stupid decisions that you realize take a real toll. And now I'm at the age where I'm like, oh, I've seen the toll that it takes. Like, I've had the injuries, and I've had the repercussions from trying to speed them up. So now I'm like, okay, now I know that it's like the long game, and you want to rebuild things. And um, but I've also experienced so many times how they've actually helped in different ways and helped me work on different things. That it's always like, okay, there's always going to be some sort of positive here. If I can't work on my shoulder, there's other things that I can work on. Um, and if I can just look at it from the lens of like it's meant to be, I know that maybe, you know, some people are like, no, things aren't meant to be or whatever. I'm like, even if, if the universe isn't, doesn't work like that, even if it says like things aren't supposed to be, or, or things don't happen that are meant to be, isn't it like more fun or more enjoyable to just view the world through that lens anyways? Like, otherwise I would just be fighting everything and saying, oh, like the shoulder is not healing. Like, I'm so mad. Like, what is that doing for me? It's not doing anything. So I just got to figure out, you know, the other way to look at it and the other things that I can still do. That is such a powerful ability to reframe because it can be so challenging, especially when, you know, it is a glaring thing. Like an injury, it hurts. It's reminding you constantly, you know, like, Hey, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. And to be able to look at it and say, you know, like, Hey, that's okay. Like there's other things I can do. There's, um, different ways that I can move. It's a really powerful tool to be able to use. And even if you're not necessarily injured, maybe it's like your job gets postponed. Like maybe you're supposed to start a job and it doesn't happen. Or maybe you are, planning to start a diet and something happens, or maybe, I don't know, literally anything could happen. How did you, I'm curious to know how you started to develop that practice for yourself, like to be able to say, I can find something else. Like there is a positive here, or even just that's not serving me to look at it that way. Let me look at it a different way. Yeah, I think just experience. And it's probably not the answer that people want to know if they've never been through it, and then they're going through it for the first time. But um, I think I posted maybe something on LinkedIn like a month ago. And it was something about like, I think that as much as you know, for example, the things that I share about mental health and injury is like, to I want to help people prevent some of those things from getting to the point. I do think it is important that we have some sort of setback early in life. Like, for example, my, my parents putting me into sport, like you're going to experience setback, you're going to experience losses. I think that was very important to being able to deal with the bigger ones when they come up later in life. So if you're, you know, constantly in your life, you never have any sort of setback, never any sort of experience with um, the, the topic of failure. Uh, nothing, nothing bad ever happens. Everything is like completely cushy and good. Then that you're not really, um, you're pretty fragile to when something is going to happen. And so for me, it's just been experience. Like every single time there's always something new to learn. Um, and every single time I'm like, okay, sometimes I learned, I don't learn lessons the first time. So then they happen again. And I'm like, okay, now I really, this is really driving it home and I really got to learn. Um, so just experiences and then, um, trying to also just spend time reflecting on experiences. So I think that's also helpful because of course I have a multitude <laughs> of injuries that I can go back and reflect on and, um, and learn from, but some people, maybe it's their second injury. Well, how can you can just, uh, like reflect and like maybe take out a journal, take out a piece of paper paper and like think back about what positive things came from that first injury what could you think about differently um and that'll help you learn more from that one injury rather than you know having to go through five of them to get the same amount of knowledge and learning from life has such a way of doing that it's like hey i tried to teach you this and you didn't listen here it is again (laughs) 
Oh yeah. Or you think that this is the lesson and then it's like something entirely different. Like I thought I'm like, okay, like two years of like trucking on my shoulder rehab, like this is like, finally it's good. And then it's like, mm, no, maybe it's, maybe it's not. Maybe there was something that you should have got checked out at the start. Um, so yeah, but there's always going to be, there's always going to be something. What is it? Cause I know that you, we've talked a ton about mental health, but you also have a company, you work with organizations. What are you doing and kind of like pioneering in that space, especially for women in sport? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm really stoked about like what my company is doing, kind of coming full circle with helping athletes with, um, marketing and social media and brand. Because when I was a snowboarder, if I didn't figure out how to get sponsorships when I was like 15, 16, 17, I probably wouldn't have even had the times when I was on the national team or any of those experiences because I didn't come from a family that could just afford to fly me around the world. Snowboarding is super expensive. Um, all of a sudden, once I got onto the junior national team, I have to compete at world cups against literally like the best snowboarders in the world who are getting paid by Red Bull and all these companies like this. It's their full time, not even full time. Like this is like their whole life, right? Like the Sean Whites and um, of the world, um, but only a very few make it to that point. So I was like, okay, well, how can I afford to keep going to these competitions to train, to even get to this level? Cause I'm paying to go to the competitions that they're being paid to go to. And obviously I'm not winning. And so they're winning all the prize money. Um, so I had to figure all that kind of stuff on my own. Social media started coming about, um, started starting figuring out how to use it, how to, you know, work with brands and all these different things. And so I've, that's how, to, how my company launched. And then it's really come full circle into how can I help other athletes do the same thing? And especially women, uh, female athletes, because I think that's just so important because 4% of media goes to go to women's sports. And so with social media where women athletes can go straight and direct to their fans, I think that's the biggest impact for the next generation. If I had seen like, for example, my idols growing up were like the Canadian women's hockey team. If I could have interacted on social media with those athletes, like that would have been huge for me growing up, just even with bullying I experienced at school for being a woman in sport. If I could just like go on their page and see what their experience was. And like, they then made it to the national team. I'd be like, okay, I can keep going. And so um, in my personal stuff, I try to hopefully be that voice to other people, but then I try to help other people be that voice in their communities as well. I think that's so incredible because I know growing up, we always hear that social media is like this huge downfall and like kids are spending too much time on social and sure, like you can look at the shadowy side of social as much as you want, but there are so many incredible thought leaders and people that are doing exactly what it is that you're doing. Like, you know, you walk into the gym and you see someone doing a muscle up. There's never that thought of like, oh, I could never do that. It's like, oh, she's doing it. So I now know it's possible. Maybe I can get the tools or the resources, especially through what she's putting out to be able to do this. So what are some of the like success stories or big, cool shifts that you have seen in, in creating a company like this and the response that you get to it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, last year I had a really cool opportunity to work with an organization that works exclusively with pro female athletes and like connects them with brands. And so I was able to come in and do some education and teaching them how to better use Instagram and, and different things. And it was really cool. Cause then it was actually, they partnered with the PWHPA. So the professional women's hockey association. So it was so full circle for me because I got to work with these pro female athletes that I looked up to, um, especially the hockey players. And some of them are older and they're like, I have no idea even like what to post or what to do and I was like so I told them the same thing I was like if I could have seen like you guys on social media when I was young like that would be the big difference and so for me that's the biggest thing because a lot of people will like hire my business or hire me to come in to speak to their athletes or whatever because it's like the money side of things so maybe like a marketing agent or uh, a, a sport agency will be like okay uh, I don't know how to get my athletes to care more about social media so like come in and speak but my favorite thing is when I start everything off about mindset I'm like, sure, like maybe you guys want to make more money or get like some deals or whatever it is. But I just like focus on like the impact that you can make. I'm like, imagine, for example, uh, the charities that you could start. Uh, I was speaking on a panel with Patrick Mahomes agent a few months ago, and he said that every single athlete he works with, 
they, the first thing they do is like figure out what they care about and how they can help their local community. And so they all start charities like from the get go. And so, um, for some of the bigger athletes, I'm like, think about the impact that you can do there. Like you can rise your whole community, whether it's around movement, actually creating a business or a charity that helps directly. And then especially for the women athletes, I'm like, this just rises up your sport. When you guys are like succeeding on social media, the whole sport rises, all the athletes rise. Um, so that's the coolest part for me is like seeing that shift and then seeing them like start to take initiative and like posting more things that are more authentic and not just about hype, but more about impact. If that is not making waves, then I don't know what is. <laughs> I think it's also so interesting because the, the take that you're having is like, hey, what is your authentic truth? What, are, what fires you up? What gets you out of bed? What is the message that if you weren't posting it on social media is coming like from your heart and you now have this platform to be able to get it out there? I think so often we fall into like, what we we're saying, social media being a highlight reel and people posting only the pictures that look really, really good and the right lighting and the right caption and all this, that, and the other thing. So given that that does exist in the space, how do you find that authentic message and then feel okay being vulnerable enough to share it? Yeah. Well, it kind of goes back again with experience. Like I said, with the injuries is like over time, it's easier for me to be like really open and vulnerable on my platform just by like slowly peeling the band-aid. So like you know, back when I was snowboarding, most of my posts were just snowboarding. Um, and then like some of my off season training, but I never really dove into like the injury and that process. But also back then social media was pretty like just photo here. Um, it wasn't the same as how it is now. And so slowly as I've been maturing as a person and like growing through the things that I went through, I've been more open to like go back and share. And then I've been also like noticing, for example, last year when I got onto TikTok, I noticed that like female athletes were getting so much hate, especially teenage girls. They post about their sports and all these guys would just rip them in the comments. And I was like, oh, like I can take the heat because I'm, I'm 27. I don't care if these people hate on me, but like, how are they hating on this 13 year old girl? That's like so unfortunate. And I thought things had changed since I was 13. So then I started, you know, trying to find that calling and be like, hey, I need to speak more about these things I went through to hopefully be that voice or at least even just take the heat away from, from those girls and show them it's okay. And that you're going to deal with some of these things. So slowly, but surely just like being more comfortable with talking about some of these things. Like, for example, I don't think when I was 13 and going through that, that I would have had the confidence to like go and share it on social media. Um, so that's why I think it's more important that I do it now because I know those girls don't have the confidence to, to share that on social media. Um, but they're still going there and scrolling and getting the hate and dealing with those types of things. Um, so yeah, slowly, but surely just becoming more open and more vulnerable and just listening to what I want to post on certain days. Um, and, and going with it, like in the moment, um, like you said, like not everything is, is a highlight reel. Definitely in my life with the last two years of, you know, I haven't hit any PRs. I haven't even been able to snatch. There's like so many things I haven't been able to do. Um, and so that's really also helps. So it's not like, you know, I don't even have the opportunity to be like, Oh, I hit a PR snatch. I'm like, no, that's not any of my posts recently. And it's cool to see that actually it's making more of an impact now that my posts aren't like that. Have you ever watched, I want to say it was like Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon when they read the mean tweets and they have oh, like yeah. the actors and actresses that like straight face read them. Okay. I want to challenge you to like your, a TikTok video of, of that, of just like the comments that come through and, and what, what your, uh, adult will say adult responses. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, even last year I got a, there was one video I posted and it was like just me literally sitting in the backyard and just, it was like, I think the video was like, I'm trying to remember the words that you use, but just how unfortunate I think it is that like young girls growing up won't ever be able to like, or right now aren't able to dream of having this big stadium full of fans and all these opportunities in sport. And I woke up to 3000 comments and it was all teen boys. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> And I, oh my God, it wrecked my three days. I was like, well, this is so terrible. <laughs> but the comments were funny. I think I posted on Instagram a picture of me. Uh, it was like a selfie. And then like one of the comments, I like put the comment there. It was like, 
what did it say? It said, oh, uh, because men are better than women, uh, girls are, something about like girls only being better at cooking, but not even because there's Gordon Ramsay. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> oh my God. I was like, okay. And then someone even commented, they commented to me and they said, get better trash can. And I was like, what? And I was like, this, this video didn't even show me playing sports. How do you know if I'm good or not? Like, I'm like, what the hell? Um, so I just, think it's kind of funny and like I always just take it with the mentality of like how bad is your day going that you have or your life going that you like take time out of your day to leave negativity to someone and um that's actually something that's been big for me on TikTok when I first got on I saw I was like how can I like test myself not to be like jealous of someone or not to you know think negatively and so I started every video that came up on my feed I would just leave like a positive comment um and that like kind of trained my brain to like keep looking for positivity online um, so that was something that really helped. And then I just, I don't really engage with the negativity. I, when that started happening, I started having to block people because they literally were like going to my Instagram and messaging me, like trying to argue about how men are, men are better than women. And I was like, what the hell? Like, who has this much time to like go find me on other platforms? Someone emailed me. I was like, this took like five steps out of your life <laughs> to go and email me. And I was like, and you're like 13, like what is going wrong that you have this time to go and email me about like how men's soccer is better and Oh uh, yeah, there was this whole thing. So I started having to block people so that I didn't even have to like answer, but now I still get negativity. Like I think I posted this like weightlifting challenge on my TikTok, and actually all the comments were really positive, which was so shocking. Uh, and like tons and as someone even commented, they're like looking for the bad comments and I was like, all of them have been nice, but there was a few people who were like, Oh, like, well, I can lift this much. There's like some guys like, well, I could do this with 315. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, so but I just try to like put myself in their their shoes and I think about how I probably you know at some point in my life in my lifting career if I saw say some girl was lifting I don't know 135 and I could lift 250 of the same lift and she's like getting famous off this this post I would probably like feel some resentment maybe too with what I was going through and be like oh like but I can lift all this but how come my post isn't taking off so then I try to like think back and be like you know what like we all go through those things we all have those moments um so this person's probably just in this kind of negative mindset right now and so I'm just not going to engage <laughs> so first and foremost loved everything about this conversation and like you get me fired up talking about internet trolls. I'm like ready to go <laughs> run through walls and send some, send some positivity and likes <laughs> people's way. But if people want to go leave a positive comment, they want to connect with you. They want to get involved in everything that you're doing. Where do they find you? Yeah. Uh, at Natalie Allport on all the social platforms. That is easy enough, y'all. It'll be in the show notes, but that makes it so easy for me because I do the show notes to know. <laughs> how to find them, where to tag them. So Natalie, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. We, I had a blast. I know that other girls did too. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me.